Thank you for downloading the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast. You can find more relationship insights at focusonthefamily.com slash marriage podcast. Your spouse is, of course, amazing, but expecting him or her to complete you is like asking them to, uh, I don't know, carry 16 tons. It's just too heavy for them to handle. I'm John Fuller here with Greg and Aaron Smalley, and they run our marriage department at Focus on the Family. And uh, Greg or Aaron, what are some of the dangers when we put unrealistic expectations on our spouse? Well, it's when, John, these expectations are unknown. So it's something that in our own mind seems reasonable. It's an expectation that we have that really turns into a demand that our spouse should be Hmm. doing this. And when that goes unfulfilled, because most of the time they don't even know that this is an expectation. Well, obviously then we become unhappy. We become frustrated. Ultimately we become resentful. And that's not completion, is it? No. As a matter of fact, just a few, like an hour ago, Aaron said, now you got the mail, right? Because we returned from a trip. I was supposed to go in and get the mail from the post office, forgot. So in her, we didn't talk about it this morning. So in her mind, it was clear. It was a reasonable expectation. In my mind, I had no idea I was supposed to do this. So it would have been very easy for Aaron to get very frustrated mm-hmm. Uh, because I didn't do something that actually that I didn't realize I was supposed to do. That That's how they work, because we don't talk about this stuff. Yeah, and I can tell she's frustrated, but we're going to return now to a conversation. <laughs> she's not over it yet. <laughs> let's, go ahead, let's go ahead and hear uh, Gary Thomas as he talks with Jim Daly. Gary's been here a number of times. Uh, he's written a number of great books, including Sacred Marriage, and he and Jim talked about something rather unusual. We left off last time wanting to talk about a monk's marriage. <laughs> now that I was laughing last time, I'm laughing today. Uh, what is the analogy about a monk's marriage that applies here? Yeah. My wife and I were, were spoiled one year with some friends. They took us to France. And on that trip, we were touring a 12th century castle with a real live duke there, a guy well into his 80s. He fell in love with Lisa, which is easy to do. Lisa's fun. She's the last born. She's the extrovert. He wouldn't normally do a tour, but he took us all over his place, and it was fun. He and his wife were arguing. He still wants a moat. His <laughs> wife doesn't want the mosquitoes. I mean, you just— And he's just, 80. Yeah, I know. You see this delightful—you knew that she won that debate. There ne- there's never going to be a moat around that castle as long as she lives. But we were up in the chapel, and then he just turns to Lisa and says, uh, Would you like to see my ancestors? He's like, Sure. He opens up this lid, and there are all these bones. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I know. And, and he got a laugh as, as Lisa jumped or whatnot. But <laughs> just being there, and we're talking about the French Revolution. There was evidence on the castle of where it had been attacked during the French Revolution. Because I didn't realize at the time how much absolute control a duke had. A duke could have somebody killed. And there was no recourse. There was no court to appeal to. If the duke said, you must die, or you must be a slave, or you must do that. The duke, and, and so people wanted to throw off that tyranny. They said, that is too much power in the hands of one man. And that helped me understand a, a psalm very differently. Psalm 146.3 says this, Do not trust in princes in mortal men in whom there is no salvation. Now, we read that in the 21st century in a democracy, and well, why would I trust in a prince? I mean, they can raise my taxes, but we don't think of it in the context when a prince literally could mean your life or your death. 
And so when the psalmist says, don't trust in that prince, in that day, it was so radical because he had such enormous power. And I think when we apply that to marriage, what happens is that we give so much power to our spouse. We trust them for our happiness. We trust them to fulfill us. We trust them to serve us. And the scripture would say, don't put that much trust in somebody who can disappoint you in a mortal man or in a mortal woman. Your help, your salvation comes from the Lord. Now we know that, but we say, well, not in marriage, not my emotions, not my fulfillment, not my happiness. That should come from my spouse. And so amongst marriage is the radical call that we recognize we get our primary fulfillment from God. I love to read from other Christian traditions, and I love to read our brothers and sisters from the Eastern Orthodox Church. And one of their classical spiritual writings is called the Philokalia. I'm not sure if you pronounce that right. I've got that sitting I, I, I'm, on my nightstand. Seriously? <laughs> I do. Wow. But, but what I love is they raise other issues because if you read it, as, as you've read it, Jim, they are obsessed with lust, not sexual lust as I think of it, but the lust of praise, mm. the lust of being noticed, the lust of being appreciated. Most of us as evangelicals, the tradition I grew up in, we don't really think about that as a lust, not on par with a lust for money or gluttony or a lust for sensual pleasure. And I thought how so many marriages, when they're in the pastoral office, he doesn't notice me enough. She doesn't give me enough affection. How each spouse has given so much power to the other spouse and then resents it when they don't get what they want. Mm. And so um, amongst marriage recognizes that if I don't have expectations about my spouse making me happy or serving me or fulfilling me, now I can appreciate what she does give me instead of resent what she doesn't. And here's the classical transformation. A girlfriend gets a card from a boy who might become a boyfriend. She's not sure, but he gives her a card. She thinks, how thoughtful. I mean, he gave me a card. She puts it up there. She, it makes her feel so happy. Ten years later, they're married. It's her birthday. He gives her a card. And what does she say? <laughs> Seriously? I get a card, you know, I've stood behind you, you know, I've supported you the last three months, I, I bathe your kids, we, we do all that, and you give me a card? I mean, the same gift at one point, because she wasn't expecting it, thrilled her. And now, it's a point of how much he really doesn't care, how much he really doesn't love her. And the only thing that has changed is her expectations, the gift was the same. really appreciate Gary Thomas and the way he turns phrases and the way he thinks about things just a little bit differently. It's always insightful. Amongst marriage, um, who yeah, would have thought? That's a great <laughs> illustration, isn't it? So, Aaron, Gary used the analogy of a man giving a card to illustrate how some gifts are meaningful in a season, but disappointing in a different season, uh, which is a great reminder that spouses aren't going to meet every expectations. What are some practical ways that a wife can still be encouraging to her husband, even when he fails a lot of the times. Well, it's not that Greg would ever, you know, give me something that was meaningful in a different season and not meaningful in this season, right? I can think Correct. of I can think I would of never do that. <laughs> I can think of like pizza orders that have changed, coffee orders that have changed and he bring he shows up with the order from, you know, 5 10 years ago and I'm like, "Wait, what what?" But the truth is that it's an it's an opportunity to extend grace. 
grace for who this person is, maybe not in that exact moment when he didn't get the order right or he didn't bring the gift that really spoke to your heart, but looking deeper into his heart that there was an effort there mm-hmm. to bring you a gift. However you know, lame it was. Yes. <laughs> that he thought of you. Yeah. And really there's an opportunity there to thank him for his effort, but then also to affirm how kind that was to be thinking of me when he wasn't even in my presence. Yeah. I've I've been um, really pondering this lately because I'm realizing that I've gotten into a habit of kind of complaining at Dina. And what I need to do is instead do what you're saying, affirm the effort and what she did and just praise her instead of complaining. And I feel better and she certainly feels better when I do that. So why is it so easy to slide into the, hey, you know what? You said this, but only this happens. So why do I do that? I think it's human nature. I think it's easier for us to notice what is missing, what mm-hmm. frustrates us, mm-hmm. than to notice really what we appreciate. I think, to Aaron's point, it takes more effort to really hone in on what do I appreciate, what 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 was their heart behind yeah. the gift, even though it fell short. But there's still nothing wrong with then telling, following that up with, this is what I would like from you. So how does that sound, though, without hurting his feelings? So you know, he, bring, he brings you a well, coffee. My feelings are hurt right now. He so. brings you a coffee, and it's not what you drink anymore. So yeah. you say... You know what? Thank you for your effort, for thinking of me, but... If you remember, um, 10 years ago, I stopped drinking that. And (laughs) okay, maybe not 10 years ago, but you know what, babe, this is what I would really want the next time. And just being direct Mm -hmm. and straightforward with what you do want. But again, it's done in love. And if you're doing something in love, it is, it's open hearted, which means that it's, it's kind, it's caring, it's gracious. It's not critical. It's not screaming. It's not angry. It's done in a way that can be received and be heard. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you the key with expectations is just assume that your spouse really doesn't understand, maybe didn't pick up on the hints, doesn't get it. So, so make those known Mm -hmm. and, and be clear with that. And, and it just works out better for the relationship yeah. as we really try to expose those expectations. Yeah, and Focus on the Family has so many ways to help you uh, strengthen your relationship. So many trusted experts and resources. Now, certainly, Gary Thomas's book is one we recommend, A Lifelong Love. And we'll send a copy of that when you make a generous contribution of any amount to this ministry. And if you've been married for decades, or perhaps you're newly married, we'd love for you to take our free marriage assessment. Uh, It'll take about five or ten minutes and give you some real insights about where you're at relationally. Uh, We'll have all the details in the show notes. Next time, more from Gary about how you and your spouse can grow closer to God. And uh, for now, on behalf of the Smalleys and the entire staff, thanks for listening to the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast.